our way through a message series which we've which we've entitled called for a purpose and this series is part of a, a trilogy of, of different vision series we've been looking at through uh, since September where we've just been unpacking the vision of the church and looking at our vision slogan which are three words that you've probably already encountered them and if you go on to any of our, our media pages you will encounter them several times we, we we go by three key phrases that we exist to revive hearts we exist to restore hope and we exist to rebuild lives part of our calling is to help you discover who God is allow him to revive your heart and then we want to help you break free of anything that might hold you back anything in your past or your present that might stop you from becoming the person you are called to be that you would have your hope restored and then you discover your purpose or you would rediscover your purpose the purpose you were called for and created for and you would go and live your life based on that discovery that you go make a difference in the lives of the, everyone around you I know Proverbs 29 which is a verse we've, we've come back to through this series says this if people can't see what God is doing they stumble over themselves they, they do whatever they want but when they attend to what he reveals, then they are most blessed. See, when we attend to what God reveals to us, when we attend to what it is God wants us to do, then we find ourselves most blessed. When we do what God calls us to do, we live fulfilled lives. And we're looking at a way of, of how we can help you discover that purpose through these messages, discover that call for your life, that divine plan that God has for you. And that's why we've called this series Called. And, and you know, we're called to make a difference. Ephesians 2 says we're called, we are God's masterpiece, called to do the things he planned for us long ago. That there was a plan in advance for our lives, that God set in motion be well before we were born and individual specific things we were designed and purposed to go and do. And the other reason we've called this series called is because there are several times in the Bible where God or Jesus says to people, OK, you were called this, but now you'll be called this. And that name has a meaning. It has a purpose. What they are called is linked to their calling. And you can go back through the videos on our YouTube channel or catch up with some of the messages on our podcast and you can look at some of the people who underwent name changes and we spent some time looking at people in the Old Testament, Abraham, uh, Abraham who became Abraham, Jacob, we've looked at Esther um, but I want to move on today to the New Testament and talk about someone who had his name changed by Jesus and that person is known as Simon or we know him as Peter. Now we don't know much about Peter before he met Jesus other than he was a fisherman and he was probably quite a good one. He was probably quite uh, successful because the Bible tells us that he owned boats. Um, so he's obviously quite doing well at his job but that's pretty much all we know. We know he was married um, and, and again we don't know much more about Peter before his encounter with Jesus. Um, but even after his encounters we don't know a lot about the end of his life. We don't know uh, how or when Peter died. We know he ended up in Rome, but we don't even know how he got there um, or how his life ended. But what we do know about Peter, that in his life he had several powerful encounters with Jesus. He walks on water briefly. He becomes Jesus's 
uh, part of Jesus's inner circle. He witnesses a girl being raised from the dead. He sees Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration. Peter is the first disciple to see the resurrected Jesus and he later emerges as the leader of this new group of Christians in Jerusalem. Now that's an impressive CV. That would be a great thing to write down uh, on your CV. But actually Peter, he's recorded to be impulsive. He's got a big mouth. He speaks before he thinks. He's aggressive. He's competitive. Uh, but he's also cowardly. We read that when he's under pressure, Peter even denies that he knows Jesus. But you know, God had a plan. God had a plan that even though Peter had made some huge mistakes, God still used him to change the lives of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. And we read in Matthew's Gospel that it's Jesus who renames Peter. And now he actually names him Kephas, uh, which we translate in our English as Peter. And the name Kephas means rock. And Jesus says to Peter, you will be the rock on which I will build my church. But I want to look at Jesus's first meeting with Peter today. And, and it's my prayer that as we look at the calling of Peter, that we discover something in our calling. So if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 5. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. It's written by the same person who would have written the book of Acts. It's one of the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic means common view. So it's one of the first three Gospels that were written, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Kind of wrote independently of each other, but, but used a lot of the same material and Luke is one of these four writers who just compiled eyewitness stories together into one book uh, that we now know as his gospel. So we're in Luke chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So we first meet Peter, or as we uh, read in this text, Simon, his original name, and he sat on the shore cleaning his nets after a, a wasted fishing trip. We read that they'd worked all night, they had caught nothing. And, and you know, the people aren't there to buy fish. The people are there to hear Jesus speak. And Jesus spots these two boats and he, and he asks Peter to push out the boat onto the water so that he could teach. Now, just I want to pause on that thought for a moment. Now, doesn't that sound odd? 
Imagine you are Peter, you, you've worked all night, you're, you're tired, you probably smell a bit, you're probably hungry and you're probably fed up because you've caught nothing. You've caught nothing, that's no income for that day. And this random rabbi arrives and asks you to push your boat out into the water so that he can teach from it. Now doesn't that sound a bit odd? Well not quite. Because if you read the previous chapter, we're told that, that Jesus and Simon have, have actually already met. In fact, the previous day, Jesus was at Simon's house. Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law and then had dinner at his house. So, so actually, this is the least Peter can do for Jesus. But it's more than just pushing out the boat. Because if you've ever been on a boat, if you just push the boat out into the water, what's going to happen? It's going to float and it's probably going to either float away or float back in on the tide to the shore. So, so Peter needed actually to stay in the boat. Peter needed to be in the boat to, to row it and, and control it so that Jesus was, was free to speak to the crowd. And I just want to pick out that point that actually Jesus needed the skills that Peter naturally had to do what he wanted to do spiritually. They were skills that Peter naturally had that enabled Jesus to do something spiritual. And you know in Ephesians it says that a grace has been given to us. And the word grace in that context, it means a special gift. Uh, something that we have a, a natural inbuilt special ability to do that is, is there to make a difference in the lives of others. Paul says in Romans we have different gifts according to the grace that is given us. There is something inside you and me, something inside all of us, a gift that God put there naturally. And he put it there naturally because he wants to use it for something spiritual. You know, the greatest purpose of our life is to use the specific abilities and gifts that God has given us to bring God's word, God's love, God's light to a broken world. To go back to that verse in Ephesians, we are God's masterpiece. We are created in advance to do the good things he planned for us to do. God created us to do good things, to make a difference, to restore hope in our communities, to revive hearts and to see lives rebuilt. So Jesus speaks to the crowd. He's in the boat. He's using what Peter can do naturally to do something spiritually. And we don't know what Jesus said. It's not recorded in any of the Gospels. We don't know what Jesus' words are. But Peter gets a front row seat to the teaching and he sat in his own boat. He sat in his usual surroundings. And you know what's exciting for us as a church at the moment is, is during a really tough time, we get the opportunity to bring God's word, to bring the words of Jesus into your surroundings. That you can sit on your sofa with your Weetabix and you can tune into a service. Now, there's nothing like coming together. There, there's nothing that compares with coming together. And we can't wait for the day when we can gather together physically again. We're, we're looking forward to it. We're excited by it. But in the meantime, we get to bring the message to you. You know, rather than the old model of, of you come to us, you know, the beauty of Jesus' message, it doesn't need a building. It just needs a boat. It just needs a vessel, something that will carry, something that will carry it to the places 
where it can be heard. You know, coming together is important. And the Bible says never, ever neglect meeting together. We, we love worshipping together. We, we meet to worship together, to break bread together, to encourage, uh, to comfort, to counsel each other. But, you know, the message of Jesus can be shared anywhere. All it needs is a boat to carry it and people to listen, people who use what they've been given naturally to do something spiritually. And Jesus finishes teaching and then he does something that, that on the surface is when you look at the culture of the time is almost offensive. Uh, he finishes teaching and says, OK, take the boat out where it's deeper and then let down your net. I mean, to say that as a rabbi, to say that to an experienced fisherman it is bordering on offensive. And there's a couple of things here that I just want to pick up. See, first of all, Peter hasn't caught anything. They've worked all night. And the reason they work all night is because the fish in the Sea of Galilee and probably other places, they feed at night. They feed in the dark because in the daytime they hide under rocks where they can't be seen. So if, if they're out fishing in the day, the fish will see the net and just swim away. So Peter knows he's not going to catch anything in the daytime. Um, also, the fish don't congregate in the deeper water. Uh, they actually swim closer to the shore where the, where the kind of the fresher water comes in uh, from the streams and the springs and they, they, they congregate in the fresher water. So, so Peter knows, listen, I'm not going to catch anything in the day and I'm not going to catch anything where it's deep. It's the wrong time and it's, it's the wrong place. If you're a fisherman in Galilee, you fish at night and you fish near the shore and near the streams. And I love Peter's reply here because I think there's a little bit of saltiness. You know, I've worked all night. I've done this all my life. This is what I do. But if you say so, we'll go out into the deep. Come on then, this should be fun. And Peter goes out with Jesus. And the text tells us there are so many fish that the nets are breaking. And they're breaking to the point where, Jesus, where Peter is terrified he's going to lose this catch. He's going to lose this miraculous catch. So he calls over his fishing partners who come with their boat. And both boats are filled. And Peter falls to his knees. And notice instead of calling Jesus teacher, he calls him Lord. And Peter says this, you need to get as far away from me as you can. I'm not worthy to be in the same boat as you. I'm not good enough you Jesus please get away from me I am too much of a sinner I am not worthy to be in your presence because Peter knows what his past is like Peter knows what mistakes he's made he knows his failures but what Peter doesn't realize is Jesus knows too Jesus knows his past he knows his mistakes he knows his failures but Jesus still loved him still cared for him you know so often we think we have to you know, earn God's approval. We have to perform to, to, to gain God's approval. But, but in the text, Jesus chose Peter's boat. Jesus chose Peter's boat to get in. Unworthy as Peter was, Jesus still chose his boat and he still loved him and he still spoke words over him that brought Peter into his purpose. Jesus says this, don't be afraid. Now, Jesus doesn't say, it's OK, Peter, you are worthy. It's OK, Peter, you are good enough. Oh, no, you're not a sinner. Don't be don't be silly. You're not a sinner. It's all fine. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I accept who you are. 
I know you're a sinner. I know you're not worthy. I know you've made mistakes. I know there are issues in your life, but don't be afraid because I've got a plan. Because from now on, you'll be fishing for people. That's that's Peter's calling. And it's interesting that when you look at the Greek there, um, when you go fishing, when you go out seeking fish, um, you know, in the process of catching those fish, the fish die because you're pulling them out of their natural environment and, and they are they are they are going to die. That's how fishing works. But the word Jesus uses here for fishing is slightly different because it literally means to catch for life. Now, just think about that in context of what Jesus said to Peter. Previously, you caught to kill, but now you're going to catch to bring life. You're going to take these people out of somewhere and bring them into something that's going to give them life. Peter, I'm calling you to bring people into new life. And later on, Jesus would change Peter's name from from Simon to Kephas or, or Peter. And the name means rock. Or stone and, and and Jesus says this that on this rock I will build my church and some people have got this idea that Jesus uh, you know was going to build his church on Peter that Peter was going to be the leader of the church but actually Peter was, was never the leader of any church um, and what Jesus meant is is found in the conversation where Jesus asks Peter who he thinks Jesus is and Peter says well you're the Messiah you're the son of God And then Jesus says, your name means rock. And it's on this rock, your words, this piece of of theological hard ground that that I'll build my church on the solid rock of your words. And Peter would go on to be one of the greatest apostles. He still made mistakes, um, but he also preached a message that brought 3,000 people to Jesus in one day. Peter healed the sick. He even raised the dead and he did that because he lived out his calling to fish for the people to bring people into new life jesus said follow me and i will make you fishers of men Do you know that's a promise follow me and i will make you fishers of men we're called to fish for men to pull people out of the seas of pain and addiction and abuse and desperation to pull people into new life and I accept that we all fish in different ways Uh, some of us have different shape and size boats Uh, some of us our giftings come in different shapes and sizes Uh, and we might fish for different types of fish that is that is fine because the places we're positioned means that we'll fish in different ways and we'll fish for, for certain types of fish but we're all fishers we are all fishers of men and we're all in this for one purpose and that's God's purpose and we believe that God's purpose is to see hearts revived hope restored and lives rebuilt and I want you to spot one last thing at the end of this text um right at the oh, sorry right at the start of this text in in the very cu- first couple of verses it's, it's this little line that, that we might miss sometimes when we're reading the text and it says Jesus saw two empty boats Jesus saw two empty boats you know I believe God sees potential in partnership I believe God knows two are stronger than one there's a story in Genesis where God looks down at the people and they're starting to build the Tower of Babel and God says you know these people are speaking the same language they've got the same uh, uh, 
they've got the same heart, they are unified. If they're like this, nothing they do will be impossible. When we speak in the same language, when we have the same heart, when we have the same purpose, nothing that we set out to do will be impossible. Do you know that's the power of synergy? That's the power of working together with the same mindset, the same language, the same heart. Two boats working together for a common purpose will, will, will accomplish far more than two boats in isolation. Jesus saw two boats, one that he would use for one thing, but he didn't just leave the other one to it. He didn't just leave the other one on the shore. The other boat didn't go and use. Jesus saw two boats and he had a plan for both. And we read in the text that there were so many fish, they filled both boats, both boats. See that empty boat that was on the shore became a full boat when it was out on the water. How did that happen? Partnership. I'm convinced the extra catch was intended for the second boat. Why do I think that? Well, because Jesus saw two boats. He saw the potential of two boats. And I want to encourage you this morning because sometimes we feel that our, our gifting just hasn't been noticed. We're not being used. We've, we're not being utilised maybe. But can I, can I assure you that Jesus has seen your boat Jesus has seen your boat and all he's asking you to do is, is stay ready on the shore, ready to be used. Because we read that Peter signalled his partners. Now those partners had to be close enough. They had to be ready. They had to be close enough to see and to hear the call and, and to answer it when it came. Because then being ready to serve, it not only saved the catch, it saved both boats. And I believe that when we work together, when we work in partnership, using our giftings, being ready to serve others, ready to help others, we can achieve far more than we can achieve if we work on our own. Someone once said, the best of us is poorer without the rest of us. The best of us is poorer without the rest of us. And what's amazing after all this, after a huge catch, guess what happened? Peter left the fish, the thing he'd been looking for before, the thing he'd been working so hard to catch, he left it behind because the calling he discovered was far greater and far more rewarding than the one he thought he had. You know, you might say Peter was designed to be a fisherman. It was his gifting all along. And I believe that God's design in us reveals God's destiny for us. God's design in us reveals God's destiny for us. How you are made will usually point you towards what you're supposed to do. And if you're watching this this morning and you're feeling dissatisfied with your life, can I gently suggest that it might be because you're pursuing something that you were not made for, that you were not designed for. And if that is you, can I encourage you to just take stock of where you are and just ask yourself some really simple questions. What abilities do I possess? What abilities do I naturally possess? And if you don't know or, or, or maybe don't recognise them, go and ask someone. What is it other people affirm about you? What is it other people see in you? Ask yourself what motivates you. What cause are you compelled to pursue when you watch the news? What is it that pulls at your heartstrings? What is it that, that, that gets you going? What is the cause that motivates you? Where are you most productive? 
you know, those moments in your life where you just feel, I love doing this. I was, I was made for this. Um, but also what opportunities are in front of you? What need can you see that may be on your doorstep that you know you can make a difference in? You know, just like that boat on the shore, we need to be ready to be called into action. That boat was on the shore because actually that's where it was most effective. It wasn't effective in a farm or in an, in a, in an office. And, you know, where you are is really key, where you're placed is really important. Are you placed where you can be the most effective person you can be? And are you ready to move? Are you ready to launch into the water? Ready to follow the call that says, hey, we need your help. We need your skills. We need your experience. We need your gifts. We need your expertise because there's just too many fish here. There are too many lost people that need bringing into new life. You know, the Bible says that the harvest is, 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 is bountiful, but the workers are few. And you might be watching this this morning and thinking, do you know, I want to do that. I want to discover my God-given purpose, but, but I don't know God. Or, or, or I feel like I'm far from God. And, and we, as we do every week, would love to offer you an opportunity to, to get to know God, to establish a relationship, to, to, to establish a foundation, a solid rock on which you can rebuild your life. And it's the same confession Peter made. I believe you are the son of God. You know, God has a unique, exciting plan for your life. He placed gifts inside of you for, for no other reason than he loves you. And he wants you to live a purposeful, life-filled life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life to the full. And we always want to take an opportunity there at the end of our messages to offer you that new life, a new life in Jesus. And it starts with a simple prayer that we surrender our desires, we surrender our ambitions and we put Jesus in charge. We put Jesus in charge of our boat and we watch him revive our hearts, restore our hope and rebuild our lives. So I'd love to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive anything I've done wrong? Would you cleanse my past? Would you make me brand new? I believe you are the Son of God. And today I put my faith in you. I believe you rose from the dead to give me new life. And today I give you my life so that I can live the full, blessed, purposeful life that you planned in advance for me to have. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.